I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network, coming to you around about half an hour or so after the full-time whistle at St. James's Park, Newcastle 2, Arsenal 0, a devastating defeat, a defeat that all but kills our hopes of qualifying for next season's Champions League. Now, as Mikel Arteta just said in his post-match interview, you know, if the unthinkable happens... If Tottenham do get beaten at Norwich on the final day, then Arsenal need to be there and ready to capitalise on that. But, um, you know, it, it's gone. It, it feels like it's gone. It it felt like tonight was a must-win game. And then sort of towards the end of the game, when I before Newcastle added the second, you were looking at it and thinking, well, if we at least get a point here, then all we need is Newcastle, uh, is Norwich, I beg your pardon, to take a point against Spurs and then all of a sudden you're in with a chance if we could do our job at home to Everton. But if we continue to perform in the way that we performed, you know, outside of of the first sort of 20 minutes at Spurs the other night and the way we performed tonight at St. James's Park, then you, you wouldn't even be confident of us going and beating an Everton side who could still be fighting for their lives. So it's a really, really um, tough night. It's a really, really tough defeat to take. I think for me, you can lose these games, but you can do it swinging like you can lose a fight and go out swinging and you will kind of sit there and you'll you'll sit back and you'll go well okay I'm devastated and I'm frustrated and I'm disappointed by the result but at the very least we gave it our all and we did our best you didn't get that from Arsenal tonight Arsenal completely froze under the pressure they froze under the the circumstances they froze at a packed hostile um, very loud, very atmospheric St. James's Park. And unfortunately, the inexperience that we have throughout that team and some players who have been OK in patching up certain positions in recent weeks. And maybe people, including myself, have got a little bit carried away with what their role could be in the squad going forward, showed their level again tonight. And, and that's the reality of it. There's no point in sitting here and making excuses. And I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to be doing that. I've certainly sort of not enjoyed some of the stuff that I've read on social media since the full-time whistle. Um, I certainly think there's a lot of Arsenal fans and it, 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 it's something I can't quite comprehend and get my head around. They almost were waiting for Arsenal to fail, waiting for Arsenal to fail to achieve an expectation that they would have told you at the start of the season was unrealistic so that they could then jump on the manager, jump on the... And it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um it tends to be the people that said that this Arsenal side were mid-table at best that are now the first ones to come out and say, well, this is completely unacceptable and this result is completely unexpected. It's devastating. How on earth did we get here? I think that for long periods in this season, Arsenal have been punching above their weight. And I've said that time and time again. And it's why I was quite supportive of the manager because I felt like in the grand scheme of things, we were doing better and we were ahead of where the club felt I felt most sensible football fans thought we would be. You know, Arsenal have achieved a fifth place finish, which is three places higher than they finished last season. Arsenal are back in Europe in the shape of the Europa League. Um, and I do think that this is one of those seasons that you won't be able to really appreciate the progress 
until the dust settles a little bit. I mean, I'm, I, I can only speak for myself, but for me, I know deep down that Arsenal have improved this season. I know that deep down we've made strides in the right direction. Has we seen as much progress as we'd have liked in an ideal world? Maybe not, but I know we have, and we'll assess exactly how much we have in the summer um, and at the end of the season when, as I say, the dust settles a little bit. But I know that we've moved in the right direction. Now, is it enough? Is a football club of Arsenal size able to wait this long, able to give so much time, uh, so much power to somebody who a lot of people have question marks over. I don't know. That's a question that needs to be answered later down the line. And perhaps even saying that, I'm speaking from a place of raw emotion. I think there's a lot of soul searching that we as Arsenal fans need to do because I think that although this is a massive disappointment, I genuinely do believe that in the football club's eyes, they have achieved what they set out to achieve at the start of the season. And I think the announcement of Mikel Arteta's contract extension and I said this at the time, is the biggest indication yet of the fact that the club's ambition and goal at the start of the season was to finish fifth and not to finish in the top four. Now, I've not seen this interview just yet because it's just popped up on my screen, but Granit Xhaka has come um, to speak to the media. I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit tomorrow on whatever content we do. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, as I say, I I'm, I'm heartbroken. I'm emotional. I'm upset. I'm devastated i'm frustrated i'm i'm really um deflated like there's there's no other way of putting it and i think as i say that comes from the nature of the performance tonight because i've never been one to get carried away with where this team are at i've said it many a times throughout the season that this team have inconsistencies in them they lack quality in certain areas we lack depth in certain areas we have inexperience. We we have so many flaws still that need to be sorted and need to be rectified. And I kept saying for months that the top four race wasn't done. And I had people, supporters of opposition clubs telling me, you're mad, you're crazy. It's done. What are you stressing about? Why are you upset? And um, or, or why are you negative, they would call me. And now I'm in a place where I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised, not at the fact that we've missed out, but I'm surprised at the fact that we went down without a fight whatsoever. I really expected Arsenal to go to St. James's Park tonight and give it a go, to be competitive, to be combative, to give it our absolute everything. And if we lacked the quality and the experience to get ourselves over the line, I would have come back and gone, we weren't good enough, but you know, I would have felt some tiny bit of pride in the fact that we got to the very end of the season still being very much in the race, which, as I said right at the top of the show, is more than most people thought we were capable of at the start of the season. And maybe I will look at that in that way a little bit later on, you know, in a few days' time when the season's over. I don't know. But right now, as I say, it is raw emotion. It is disappointment. It's devastation. And, um, and the nature of the performance is the thing that I just can't get my head around. I mean, if we go through the team, I thought Aaron Ramsdale looked shaky from the first minute. You know, his distribution was bad. Passes that he normally plays with relative ease were were difficult for him tonight. He um, he almost passed the ball to, to Miguel Almiron, who was closing him down. There was a cross from the right-hand side that literally went through his hands. 
Um, he nearly got done by Callum Wilson because he was standing on the edge of his penalty area. There were so many moments tonight where you looked at Aaron Ramsdale and you thought, mate, you're just not at the races tonight. Tommy Asu had a torrid, torrid time against Alan Saint-Maximin. And although people poke fun at him and laugh at him, I actually thought that he was quieter when Cedric was on the pitch. Tommy Asu, not at the races, and again picks up another injury. I mean, we can't keep going on like this. We we can't keep bringing players to the football club and relying on players at this football club who simply cannot stay fit. You just can't do it. You know, at the moment, we've got two fullbacks who spend more time on the treatment table than they do out on the training pitch. And that's a big, big worry and a big, big concern. You can't build your team around people like that. And that's something that Arsenal really do need to look at. You move into the centre of the defence tonight and both of them clearly had sort of pushed the barriers to be fit and available. Ben White ended up scoring an own goal, which obviously made our task much more difficult. I, I saw Gary Neville's analysis on Sky of that and he talks about um, the fact that, that Ben White should probably do better there. I'm really reluctant to go in on a centre-back who's tried to cut out a cross and it's ended up in the back of his net. I think that is one of the most common types of own goal that we see in football. Um, the ball coming across the box, you're out on the stretch, you don't make the contact with it you'd like, and it, it beats your goalkeeper um, at the near post or, or whatever. So I don't really want to dig out Ben White for that particular moment, but I didn't think he ever looked comfortable tonight dealing with um, Callum Wilson when Callum Wilson was opting to place himself on that side. Gabriel, I thought, looked quite good in the first half. I thought he was probably our best player in the first half. Um, I thought he he looked quite sharp considering that he wasn't fit. But then when he got taken off, when he did, it started to make me think that actually he wasn't fit. And that was why he was the first one to be dragged off. It was weird. Um, I didn't think he was bad. Nuno Tavares wasn't as sort of catastrophically bad as he's been in recent weeks but didn't offer us what I hoped he would offer us going forward, going down the left-hand side. And again, can you really pin that on Nuno Tavares? The team's performance overall was so bad that we never gave him the platform um, to, to be able to go on and do that. Um, so that was the back line. Let me just quickly address this this comment because every time Arsenal lose, we, we get all, all the cretins coming out of, of the woodwork. Look at this. Do Irish. Go on, Harry. Defend Arteta so you can get on TalkSport next week. That has got nothing to do with me doing work at TalkSport. Um, actually, based on some of the clips that TalkSport put out, you'd probably think it's the opposite. If you're more outraged, if you're more uh, wild in your opinions, you're probably more likely to get airtime. So don't give me that absolute nonsense. Um, trying to suggest that I'm that I, I'm peddling a certain narrative to to get work is absolutely ridiculous because I don't rant and rave and uh, throw my toys out of the pram like a child every time my football team loses a football match, which is something that happens in sport. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm after something or or anything. It's absolute nonsense. And um, those are the types of comments that unfortunately we get plagued with every time Arsenal lose a game of football. And then you've got to start to question, right, whether these people are actually Arsenal fans because the amount of them that I saw in the live chat during the watch-along that we did for the game tonight, who seemed to be revelling in Arsenal's misery, who seemed to, in a sick, twisted, sadistic way, enjoy um, the fact that, that Arsenal have lost the game. It, it, what is that about, man? What has happened 
uh, to our game. I really don't understand it. Like, you know, people that <laughs> that just got nothing better to do clearly haven't got much else going on and, and feel the need to be outraged. Maybe they're the ones uh, looking for retweets and likes and um, and clout because they're the ones with the um, that are pushing the narrative. I'm just saying it as I see it. And I've said how disappointing tonight's performance was and I've said how disappointed I am with the outcome of it. Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted by nonsense in the comments, um, moving into the midfield, Mohamed Elneny tonight, for me, showed that we've probably got carried away with thinking that he is someone who can um, who can hold down a place in this squad, someone that we should be looking to keep in the future. Now, I've always been very adamant that if if we were going to keep um, Mohamed Elneny, it would have to be as a fourth, maybe even fifth choice centre midfielder. That's what I rate him as. That's what I see him as. And I've never, ever really sort of um, sort of moved away from that. Has, that's always been my view on Mohamed Elneny for all the years that he's been at the football club. Can he come in and do a job from time to time? Yeah, he can. But when you start to rely on him, when you start to pick him week in, week out, because your options are limited, when you start to have to rely on these players to deliver consistent performances of a certain level over a period of time, they're going to get found out. And I really did think that Mohamed Elneny was found out tonight. I thought he was um, fearful in his passing. You know, one of the things that I was really impressed with when Elneny came back into the side a few weeks ago was that he seemed to be quite confident in a lot of the things that he was doing. But you could see very quickly tonight that he kind of went into his shadow and was almost afraid to progress the ball. And if you can't progress the ball from midfield, and you're not able to progress the ball from the back line as you'd like, then you're going to struggle to get the ball up the pitch. You're going to struggle to get your attacking players involved. And I thought that Martin Odegaard struggled as a consequence of Arsenal's midfield being unable to progress the ball in the way that we've seen them do at various points this season. Now, Thomas Partey is a huge part of that. And to be without him has obviously hindered us in that department. But we've been without him for some time. And you need to find solutions to these problems. It goes back to the point I made again, that injuries have been a big problem. And we seem to keep losing the same key individuals. And there has to come a point where you as a manager go, well... I've got to I've got to reassess this. I've got to think about this properly because I can't afford to be without a top player every single week. I can't afford to be without my first choice fullbacks week in, week out. I can't afford to have my fullbacks pulling up week after week with injuries. I can't afford to be without my best centre midfielder, whom I spent a huge chunk of money on week in, week out, and sometimes three, four times in a season. So Mikel Arteta really does need to think about that. And really does need to assess that going into the summer. I genuinely believe that because to continue to rely on these players would be madness because what's the definition of madness? Doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and expecting the same results. So I think we had a problem in midfield tonight. I didn't think Granit Xhaka had his best game either. I didn't think he was all that good at Spurs the other night either. And again, you know, are we seeing a player who, you know, just isn't able to maintain that absolute top level week in, week out. And therefore, do we need to upgrade? Do we move on? You know, these are all questions that are going through my mind at the moment. And when I do these post-match reaction podcasts, I don't sit down and plan the show. I don't sit down and, and 
and think about what I'm going to say to you. I don't, as some of you are suggesting, uh, prepare my agenda pre-show and come and sit here and, and spew it all off to you. No. What I do is I flick the camera on, flick the microphone on, press go live, and I speak from the heart. And I, and I tell you what I think and what I saw and how I feel. And, um, and right now I feel dejection. I feel like a lot of questions have, have come up for me um, with regards to a lot of the individuals that are within the setup at the moment. Um, you know, I, and, I, and I really do think that we've got a lot of soul searching to do in the summer. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we've done nothing good this season. It doesn't mean that we've done nothing right. It doesn't mean that we've gone backwards. It doesn't mean we haven't gone forwards. We have gone forwards. The question is, is it enough? That's the question. You can't say that we haven't gone forward. We've, we're have we guaranteed to finish fifth. Last couple of seasons, we finished eighth. We're going to accumulate more points than we did last season. And we're going into the final day of the Premier League season in the race for the top four. OK, we're probably not going to make it now. But you can't... There's no way... No matter how negative you are, no matter how anti-Mikel Arteta you are, that you can deny we've progressed this season. If you want to make the case and the argument that, in your opinion, based on the resource that was given to Mikel Arteta last summer, based on the fact that we weren't in Europe, based on the fact that we played less games than a lot of our competitors, etc., etc., if on that basis you want to make the case that there hasn't been enough progress, then that's an argument and a conversation and a debate that we can have. But you cannot say that we've not improved at all. Now, obviously, when things end the way that this season is seemingly going to end, then there'll be a bitter taste in your mouth. Because when you care deeply about a football club, when you care deeply about, um, you know, this this institution, then you will feel it like this. And that's why I always say, like, when the dust settles, the sensible Arsenal fans out there, We'll look back at this season and say, disappointing that we missed out on the Champions League because the opportunity was there and it presented itself. But we did improve. And anyone who denies that is peddling an agenda. Anyone who denies it, when you look at the table in comparison to last season, the table in football does not lie. The table does not lie. At the end of a 38-game season, you will finish exactly where you deserve to finish. So... You know, I, I, I do feel right now that it's all very raw and it's all very difficult to take and it's all very difficult to process. And that's why I don't want to be throwing around stupid statements and throwing around, um, you know, knee-jerk comments off the back of, of what's a very, very disappointing night. We're just going to ignore the trolls in the comments. Like, if I could be bothered, if or if I wasn't doing the show live by myself, I'd probably go through and, and block loads of you, but I can't be bothered. Say what you want. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to change my opinion. It's not going to change my view. You move further forward in the team, going back to, to sort of running through the, the lineup. Martin Odegaard struggled to influence the game tonight. Really, really did. Um, he struggled to, to get on the ball. It looked as though Newcastle had done a bit of a job on him in the way that I felt that Tottenham did and in the way I feel like a few clubs have done in recent weeks. You stop Martin Odegaard, you stop Arsenal ticking in a lot of ways. 
Um, and then he starts dropping into different areas to try and get more and more involved. And then when he does drop into those areas to try and get on the ball and to try and win the ball back and to try and get us going, then when we do win the possession back, he isn't in the area in which you can pick him out, find him from which he can turn and set you off on an attack. And that's a big, big problem. Lots of you in the chat talking about Granite Xhaka's interview. I've literally paused my uh, Sky Sports uh, to my right when I caught out the corner of my eyes. I started to show that Granit Xhaka had fronted up to the media and I will watch that after. So I'm not going to comment on it until I've seen it. Um, but again, you know, people talk about people hiding and people not stepping up. There are a lot of players in that team that, have, that are hiding and do hide. This guy's not one of them. This guy's not one of them. And I'm very, very interested to hear what he's going to say. But yeah, um, Odegaard marked out the game, struggled to impact the game. And, and as I say, if you stop Martin Odegaard, you stop Arsenal at the moment. And that is a problem because, you know, we, we need we need to have more than one player capable of opening up defences. We need to have more than one player who can influence us and set our tempo. And we just don't have that at the moment. You move to the right-hand side. I thought Bukayo Saka again looked like... He looked like a the only fools and horses car. If you lot guys have seen it, I don't even know what it's called. The yellow car, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he looked like that car running with no petrol in it. That's what he looked like on the right-hand side. Not because I, I don't rate him and not because I don't think he's he's a good player. He's a fantastic player. But I've told you guys all season, and you'll know that I'm not just saying this now. Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, they don't deliver with the regularity that the likes of Son deliver, that the likes of Mane deliver, that the likes of Mares deliver, that the likes of... There it is, Reliant Robin. That the, the likes of... Uh, Jared Bowen deliver, the, the likes of Rafi, even Rafinha deliver. And then what you end up with is you end up with a team that struggles for goals when they're going through dips. And this is the problem. You know, this is why what we opted to do and opted to go for was such a risky strategy because you were essentially relying on a group of really young kids and young players who are still on their way up to deliver for you week in, week out, when the reality is they should be coming in and out of the site to complement a more experienced group, gaining valuable experience and progressing that way. They shouldn't have the weight of the football club on their shoulders. And unfortunately, they do. Obviously, the club, Mikel Arteta, all the decision makers feel like they're capable of coping with that and they're good enough. And that's why they took that decision. But I think... Um, I think that... Um, I think that it it it's it was always going to bite us in the ass. I've I've said it time and time again. Those of you who watch or listen to this on a regular basis will know that I've always said that about the wide plays. Um, you know, it's 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 a problem. It is. And you move on to Eddie and Ketia. I don't think that he could have done much more tonight in the sense of, um, you know, I don't think he could have done much more in the sense of. We didn't give him any service. We didn't give him any supply. We rarely had the ball in that part of the pitch. And he too was having to come back and um, and defend. And he was coming to, he was having to come back into deeper areas to try and get on the ball. And it was, it just wasn't going to work. You know, everybody was under par tonight. Every single Arsenal player was under par tonight. Every single one of them. There's not a single player out there that, that went out and performed and you can say, well, he's the one that can come away with his head held high. 
not a single one. And it's hard to take. I mean, people, you know, maybe tonight, straight after the game, reaction podcast, I admit that my analysis is not going to be as deep as it should probably be or could probably be. Because right now I feel like emotion has taken over and I, I don't really know where to go with it at the minute. I, I genuinely don't. I'm lost for words and that's no good when you're a podcaster, but I really do feel that way tonight. And um, I don't wish to engage in like a, a wave of negativity and criticism until I'm in a place where emotionally I think I can kind of look at it in a little bit more of an analytical way. I, I don't feel like I can do that now because I am so upset. I don't feel that I can that I can break things down in the way that I should. And, and obviously we'll bring you some more content tomorrow uh, around the game, probably from a beach in Barcelona, hopefully, um, as I'm jetting off in the morning. 4.30 in the morning, I'm leaving my house. So I'm staying up late to do this podcast after that absolute shit show of a performance. Um, that is commitment. <laughs> if you don't laugh, you'll cry tonight. But yeah, it's, um, it, it's tough. It, it really, really is. And we've fallen short because of, a lack of quality, a lack of commitment on the night, I felt, a lack of desire, a lack of experience. And there are a number of problems there. And, you know, you, you've got to start to, um, you've got you've got to park the emotion at this point. But you've got to try and park the emotion before you can really look back and assess clearly what went wrong tonight and why we are where we are now. But I don't think you can do that necessarily as well as you could the next day in the aftermath of the game. Let me get some of your comments. Let me get some of your thoughts. Um, you know, normally we talk through the team. I've, I've done that. Normally we talk through key moments in the game. I've, I've discussed the, the own goal, um, which again, I'm not going to be too um, harsh or too critical of, of Ben White because those types of own goals happen. I'll be more critical of the way it all came about. And obviously it came about, didn't it, from a foul throw. Um, and I know that there's people that have been super critical of Nuno Tavares. I've called him a liability in recent times or felt like he was a liability in recent times. Um, but even though he, he plays a foul throw and then as off the back of the possession being turned over, Newcastle go and score a second, which ultimately completely kills us still got so much opportunity to defend that situation better than we do between him um, playing that foul throw, them getting it back, and then the ball ended up in the back of our net. Sports Genius, uh, thank you so, so much, mate, for your very, very kind Super Chat donation. I do really, really appreciate it. If you haven't hit the like button uh, just yet, please do. It really, really does help. Um, we've got 81 likes on the board. Let's try and get to 150. There's nearly 300 of you live with us at the moment. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And a big, big thanks as well to all of those who joined me for the live watch along, which was pretty painful. Uh, Sports Genius says, Harry, haven't having gotten back to where Wenger was in his worst season, was it a mistake firing, firing him? We get top four with Wenger easily. Was it the club all along? I never, ever felt that Wenger was solely responsible for us missing out on the Champions League. Never. Um, was he part of the problem at the time? Yeah. And did we need to reset? Probably, yeah. Um, but it just goes to show that even at his worst, it wasn't that bad. You know, it, it wasn't 
it wasn't as bad as some of the noise coming out of the Arsenal fan base would have suggested. And now as a fan base, we're being humbled a little bit, I think. You know, we're being humbled when people were hounding him out. You know, a lot of sort of Wenger defenders, if you like, would say, be careful what you wish for. And we're struggling to get back in the Champions League. Do you think that um, he would have done a worse job this season? I mean, I don't think Mikel Arteta has done a bad job this season. I think overall he's done a good job, a better job. But I think that where he has been lacking a little bit, it's largely been due to inexperience or mismanaging a game sort of in terms of whether you change it or not, knowing when to change it, knowing when not to change it, knowing how to approach a game. In some cases, Brighton is the one that always jumps out to me this season. And perhaps Wenger's superior experience would have helped him through those situations. But you can't, I don't like this thing of like, you know, people say experience, experience, experience. It is important, of course, but your fundamentals have to be right. And if your fundamentals are right, then you will get there. And when you choose to appoint inexperience, you accept the risk that comes with that and the problems that come with that. And um, and I think that the club are willing to accept that. We're not as fans because we want results all the time. But I feel like the club are willing to go with the inexperience because of the long-term benefits they feel it brings. But I don't get why everyone's surprised or shocked when Mikel Arteta as a manager makes what we believe to be bad calls, wrong calls. You know, when you first started your job, was you perfect at it? Was you as good at it then as you are today? Probably not, because people learn and people develop all the time. This other notion of like, you know, oh, we'll, we should never appoint anybody or pop by anybody or do anything with anybody that's got a, a lack of experience. Again, you know, if you never give people a chance, how do they ever get experience? And people will flip that and say, well, Arsenal is too big of a football club for someone to be learning on the job. And I get all of that. I really, really do. But I'll go back to the point that I made really early on in the show. When the dust settles, you will look back at this season and it will be undeniable that Arsenal have progressed. How much that progression is and whether you think that is acceptable is a completely and totally different debate and one that we'll have at the end of the season for sure. We'll get some panellists on. We'll get you guys involved as well. But as of today, there has been progress. You won't see it today because of the cloud that's hanging over us off the back of this really disappointing result. And the fact that we're going to lose it to Spurs is going to make it much, much more difficult to take for sure. Let me take some more of your comments. Um, not going to be too long of a show tonight because, as I say, leaving, we've well, got to be up around about four o'clock in the morning. Um, but we will bring you some content. Uh, I'll bring you a video from Barcelona tomorrow with a bit more of a, a calmer reaction and a, a bit more of an analytical reaction, I guess, to what we saw tonight. Jay Sayers says, we're a Tim Pot club with a Tim Pot manager. We don't deserve Champions League. Spineless players and a coach with zero plan B. Useless set of donkey players. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't have read that one if I got right to the end of it. Um, what else have we got? Halo says, Harry, uh, we go again. Um, yeah, you know, we go again. It is what it is. Uh Johnny says, Arteta has done a good job. No one can realistically say they expected to be in the running for the top four. Completely agree. Completely agree. People will keep pointing, won't they, as well, to, to January. And I get that, and I, I really do get that. 
But what you have to realise is that the club were aiming for a top six finish. And they will argue that even without spending in January and potentially setting themselves back millions and potentially hindering themselves in the summer to come a summer where it's no, it's normally easier to get the players that you want in the summer than it is in January. They will argue that they achieved their goal and they didn't blow a, a ton of money in January. So in there, this is what I, I keep saying. This is what people don't seem to want to understand and process. What you want as a fan is not always going to be in line with what the club want. And ultimately, Mikel Arteta will be sacked if he doesn't deliver what the club want not what you or I want. And that's the point that people keep missing. Like, you know, he's obviously been told, go get us back into Europe and sh and, and continue in the rebuild of this new team. He's gone. He's brought some young players in. He's improved us in terms of the fact that we're in the hunt for the top four going into the last game of the season. And he's not, um, you know, and, and sorry, and he's and he's achieved what they wanted him to achieve. So they're not going to sack him, right? It's like you go into a shop as a consumer, as a customer, you, what you want out of the experience is different to what the shop want out of the experience. The shop want you to spend money and buy their product and you want a good service and you want this and you want a discount and you want that. You're not always going to get what you want. And the the, the club, the, the, the shop are not going to always get what they want from you. Like it's, it doesn't work like that. Not everybody is always satisfied in every transaction. And this is what it feels like with Arsenal at the moment, that you've got Edu, Kroenke, all of those guys. If we get in the top six, if we get back into the Europa League, that's progress this season. Happy days. That's your objective, Mikel. Go out and achieve it. Bang, last weekend, wrap up fifth place. Here you go. Here's your, let's, let's announce your new contract. But to the fans being in the race for the Champions League, we want the Champions League. Of course, I was desperate for us to do it. Desperate. Talked countless times about the benefits that would come if Arsenal could do that this season. But we, we've we've missed out. You know, I know it's not over till it's over, but we've missed out. Amir says, it's time for the players to take some responsibility. It's not always the manager. I always say this as well, and I always have this conversation with one of my brothers, and he's really, really big on this point, and he, he makes it well, to be fair. He always says, he always says, <laughs> it's, you know, the manager can create a plan, can set you up in a certain way, can give you the platform upon which you need to then go out and perform. But if you don't perform, all of that is irrelevant. And time and time again in modern football, we see this kind of reaction and it's always towards the manager. It's never towards the players. Well, now, ultimately, they're the ones going out there and executing the plan, you know, and, and we seem to, and, and he always says this too, he says, we always seem to kind of build football up as manager versus manager when actually, no, it's it's 22 players competing on the pitch with one another. You know, it's it's Pep versus Klopp. It's Mourinho versus Wenger. It's Ferguson versus Wenger. That's a small part of what's going on. But the rest of it is between the 22 players out on the pitch. And yes, Mikel is not perfect. And, and you know, I'll be the first to say that. But there's no doubt in my mind that he prepared them this week in the same way that he's prepared them all season. And in the same way that he's prepared them before games that we've gone out and been brilliant and won. 
he is someone who has a a very clear idea of what he wants to do um a set of as he calls them non-negotiables and he will in my opinion prepare the team in a lot of ways the same every week now in some ways it'll be different based on the opponent there'll be deeper analysis there'll be video sessions i get all of that but overall i'm pretty sure that Mikel arteta doesn't just go from one week to the next i'll bother this week no i won't bother that week i'll try this week i won't try next week that you know those guys those players wearing that arsenal shirt have to go out there and they have to deliver and they have to execute and sadly tonight and quite a few times of late i mean the top four thing wasn't lost tonight you know there's no shame in going and getting beat and i know they're low down in the league at the moment because of their start but they've been one of the form sides in the premier league i think they've you know fourth or fifth in the premier league form table since you know christmas or whatever it was uh i think it was fifth so you know there's no shame in going and losing at st james's park in a one-off game and what's ultimately cost us is that run of three games against palace brighton and southampton that was completely unacceptable and that is what's done us the damage in the end it's what's given us very little margin for error we thought that we'd got away with it when we went and won at Chelsea, when we went and won at West Ham, when we beat Manchester United. You thought that maybe we we kind of got away with it because Spurs had dropped a few points as well. But ultimately, that's the bit in the running of the season that I will look back on and say is where we lost it. Not necessarily tonight, but given it was still in our hands, given we had an opportunity, um, you know, <laughs> you can't help but be frustrated. You can't help but be frustrated and disappointed. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there because I, I feel like I'm just gonna get irritated and and start sort of going off on tangents that I, I don't really want to be going off on. At the end of the day, Arsenal didn't perform tonight. Arsenal were below par. Arsenal were poor. The players looked gutted at the end. Mikel Arteta looked gutted at the end. Everybody knows and recognizes what a huge opportunity this is that we've missed. And um We've got to take it on the chin and we've got to be, as I say, we've got to be ready to pounce if the unthinkable happens at Carrow Road, um, you know, at the weekend. I don't think it will, but we've got to be ready for that possibility. And then when it's all over and we've drawn a line under the season, we can look back with calmer minds, calmer heads, and we can try and puzzle together what what was good what was bad, um, what we need to do to move forward. And whether you want him here or not, Mikel Arteta will be here at the start of next season. There's no doubt about that. So we we do what supporters do, what the very definition of support is. And we get behind our team, we get behind our players, we get behind our manager. Um, people always say to me, why am I different with Unai Emery? Or why was I different with Unai Emery? in comparison to Mikel Arteta. Well, there's a number of reasons for that that I'm not going to go into again because I feel like we do this with time, but I've seen that pop up in the chat. But I'm very... like Unai Emery was brought in to get Arsenal back in the Champions League and he failed. And then he lost the dressing room and he had to go. Mikel Arteta was tasked this season with getting Arsenal back in into Europe, back into the top six. And he's done that. He's finished fifth. The maximum for me that we could achieve was fourth and the, the minimum we should have, we could have accepted was sixth. So he's coming in the middle in fifth. I don't know that if you set someone that goal, they meet it 
you can then sack them. Maybe you can, but that's not how the club will see it. And and we just got to hope that you know we can continue to improve. We can build on what we've built this season and go up to that next level next season. That's the great thing about football. There's always next season. There's always the next game. But really tough. Um, really tough to take. Really tough to take it. To say I'm devastated is an understatement. Say I'm angry um, would be fairly accurate as well. Because I'm angry in the sense of we could have done so much more. You know, we could have done we could have given it so much more and we didn't. Um, you know, we just didn't. Yeah, and people will always say, and Scope brings it up in the chat, people always say, it's accepting mediocrity. It's not, because I've never once said that I want Arsenal to be in this position or that I'm happy with Arsenal being in this position. Because I'm not deluded and I don't let one-off performances or flashes in the pan um, take my mind off of or take my focus off of where we're actually at. It doesn't mean I'm accepting of it. It means I'm realistic. And that's why, um, you know, that's why, <laughs> that's why I don't want to be knee-jerk. Because I, I, I don't think you should be knee-jerk in football. I think that progress a lot of the time is achieved over a lot, over a consistent period. Consistency is key to progress, right? Um. No, I know what's scope. I didn't mean that you say it. I, I meant that you brought it up in a comment, which you did, accepting. But more than that, not just getting into sixth, because people will say accepting mediocrity as they don't understand all of it. It's fifth, sixth, but at the bottom of trage trajectory, that's the point. Yeah. Um, I was just making the point that you mentioned the accepting mediocrity stuff, because I'm going to I'm gonna get that for sure in the comments after this live stream. But look, let's just quickly summarise. Oh, super frustrated, super disappointed, absolutely shattered. Doesn't help either. And um, and uh, it feels like a season that could have ended on a real high is going to end on a low. But again, as I say, when we look back on it, when the dust settles, maybe we'll um, we'll be able to see a bit more of the positives, and then carry some of those into the summer hopefully with a strong window build some optimism going into the new season but yeah don't really know what else to say i will leave you all to it thank you all for tuning in thank you for those of you that tuned into the watch along as well incredible numbers on that as well so thank you all so so much and i'll uh, i'll keep in touch with you guys over the week with some as i say some pre-recorded stuff so there's just some short 10 15 minute videos to be coming your way on a daily basis uh, but I'll be back on Friday to preview the game against Everton, even if it could turn out to be a dead rubber. Catch you all later. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.